The following program is a recording of a live broadcast transmitted 7 a.m. Beijing time. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Bigham with you on this Friday, August 2nd, 2019. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. We're live from the Chinese capital. On the program this morning, Chinese authorities reiterate their call for equality and mutual respect in their ongoing trade talks with the United States. Chinese banking experts comment on domestic monetary policy following interest rate cuts in the U.S. and elsewhere, and the U.S. UN Secretary General's expressing concern about rising tensions between nuclear-armed states. In business, China's central bank comments on loans for the property sector. In sports, the torch relay for the seventh military World Games. In entertainment, a new military TV channel in China. First of all, a check of the day's headline news. A senior Chinese official has urged the United States and some other Western countries to stop meddling in Hong Kong affairs in any form. Young Jachir criticizes those countries for supporting violent protesters with the aim of undermining the prosperity and security of Hong Kong. The director of the Office of the Party's Foreign Affairs Commission demands they honor their hands-off promise regarding Hong Kong affairs. The commander of the Chinese People's Liberation Army garrison in Hong Kong has made it clear that the recent violent incidents in the city are absolutely intolerable. Major General Chen Daosheng warned that those protests have touched the bottom line of the one country, two systems principle. He made the remarks at a reception marking the 92nd anniversary of the PLA's founding. The officer also reiterated support for the Hong Kong government, police and judiciary in dealing with violent criminals. China's announced plans to construct a port for seaborne rocket launches in Yantai. The project will include construction of R&D and manufacturing centers for rockets, satellite payloads, and offshore launch platforms, as well as a satellite data application and development center. China successfully conducted its first space launch from a sea-based platform in June. U.S. President Donald Trump has designated Brazil as a major non-NATO ally, opening doors for further military cooperation with the South American country. It makes Brazil the second South American country after Argentina to be granted this status. The uh, designation will give the country preferential access to certain kinds of U.S. military assistance, including purchasing uh, excess defense articles and participating in cooperative defense research and development projects. The U.S. media has reported that North Korea's launched projectiles for the third time in just over a week. The report suggests the launch on early Friday was very similar to the previous two. U.S. officials have denied the projectiles pose threats to the U.S. or any of its allies in the region. They suggest it's another warning by Pyongyang against a joint U.S.-South Korean military exercise is scheduled for later this month. ChinaPlus.CRI.CN is your home for everything you want to know about China. The latest news in China and everything China-related from around the world. Everything in focus, all in one place, bringing you vital information for your business and travel. Chinese culture, language learning, and more. ChinaPlus.CRI.CN. ChinaPlus.CRI.CN. Your portal into today's Middle Kingdom. 
It's four minutes past the hour. Chinese authorities have reiterated that the trade talks with the United States must be conducted on the basis of equality and mutual respect. The Commerce Ministry calls on the U.S. to make positive efforts, show sincerity and goodwill, and create a good atmosphere for the consultations. It says the two sides have far more common interests than disputes in the economic and trade fields, suggesting Washington properly resolve China's core concerns. The ministry also urges the U.S. to implement its commitment regarding Huawei as soon as possible. The two sides held the latest round of trade talks on Tuesday and Wednesday in Shanghai and agreed to hold the next round next month in the United States. The Ministry of Commerce says China is willing to advance a long-term and steady soybean trade with Russia. Ministry spokesperson Gao Feng says China welcomes the soybean production bases in Russia, of Russia in Europe to export soybeans to China's coastal provinces. Currently, most of Russia's soybean exports to China come from the Far East. China imported 817,000 tons of soybeans from Russia last year, up 65% year-on-year. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has met with U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on the sidelines of the ASEAN Foreign Ministers meeting in Bangkok. Just now, we mainly discussed about how to further follow up the consensus reached by the two heads of state while they met during the G20 summit in Osaka. We also exchanged views on how to further advance China-U.S. relationship defined by coordination, cooperation and stability. Wang Yi says bilateral cooperation should be expanded based on mutual benefit, while disputes should be managed on the basis of mutual respect. The minister also calls on the two countries to strengthen communication and view each other's strategic intentions correctly. He adds that obstructing China's development is unfair, since China has the right to develop. Mike Pompeo says the U.S. government has no intention of containing China's development and is willing to cooperate with China. China in a wide range of areas. He says his country is committed to the three Sino-U.S. joint communiques, as well as the one-China policy. The Secretary of State adds that the U.S. supports enhancing people-to-people exchanges with China. Chinese banking experts say the country will set its monetary policy based on its domestic market demand. The comment came as a dozen foreign central banks have lowered interest rates in the past three months. Wen Bin's a chief economist of China Minsheng Bank, and he says China's monetary policies should be based on its inflation and employment status. We believe that there might be further loosening space for monetary policy in the future, and it may come through quantitative transmission mechanisms such as smoothing monetary policies via targeted requirement reserve ratio cuts. We must provide guidance to financial organizations. On one hand, we need to step up support for real economy, especially private enterprises and small and medium-sized enterprises. On the other hand, we must take comprehensive measures to further lower the financing cost of the real economy. Experts say that the central bank will keep a close eye on the fluctuations of the financial situation at home and abroad. Adjustments are also expected to ensure abundant market liquidity and a reasonable and steady interest rate. The U.S. Federal Reserve lowered interest rates on Wednesday for the first time since 2008. Its rate-setting body trimmed the target for the federal funds rate by 25 basis points. Japan and Europe are expected to follow suit. 
The U.S. Federal Reserve has cut those rates for the first time since 2008 amid rising concerns over trade tensions, a slowing global economy, and muted inflationary pressure. It trimmed the target for federal funds by 25 basis points to a range of 2% to 2.25%. The Fed says it'll continue to monitor how income uh, or incoming information affects the economy, and it'll act appropriately to sustain the country's economic expansion. With more on this, CRI's Zhao Yang spoke with Andy Mock, a senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, and Professor Hans-Peter Berghoff, who's the chair of the Banking and Financing Department at the University of Hohenheim in Germany. So first of all, Andy, the U.S. Federal Reserve cut the interest rate by a quarter of percentage point. Why action now? Well, there's a lot of discussion about this, Zhao Yang. The way the Fed has positioned it is they're calling it an insurance cut, meaning that they want to take action as insurance, as a preventive measure uh, to stop a downturn in the economy, to keep the economic expansion going. I think um, looking at it a little bit more closely, uh, it's a little bit less of an insurance cut as maybe a response to some genuine concerns uh, in the economy. So while growth is still solid at uh, 2.1%, it's less than first quarter growth, trending downward. And also, if we look at investment, housing starts, and even the issue with the Boeing 737 MAX, I think there's a lot of cause for concern about the U.S. economy that isn't articulated as much, but I see this as much a factor in the Fed's decision as this uh, quote-unquote insurance to keep the expansion going. Mm-hmm. And Hans Peter, so do you think it's an insurance to stop the downturn of the economy, and will it really work? Well, first, I think yes, that's what was understood, and it's a small step. And Powell said he, well, he made clear that there won't be other steps. So all these negative trends in the U.S. economy seem not to bother him that much at the moment. So the expectations that there will first be further steps downwards have gone down after his speech. So it's somehow it's a two-sided reaction. Interest rate goes down, but he says it won't go further down. So I think it's more like an insurance up to now. Mm. And Andy, so what do you make of the market response to it? It's widely anticipated, but why did the stock market still close lower or close down? Well, I think there's two issues here, uh, Zhao Yang. So first, what will the impact of this rate cut be on the real economy? So as a monetary policy measure to either uh, stimulate or to sustain real economic growth. But, you know, your question is, why did the market react the way it did? I think that, first of all, there's a disconnect between what's going on between the real economy and financial markets. And what financial markets were hoping for, and I think expecting, was some statement that this is only the first of a series of rate cuts. And in a way, you know, markets trade on expectations, uh, not so much on the actual event itself. That being said, I think Chairman Powell was quite ambiguous in that while he did not say there will be further rate cuts, he didn't explicitly rule that out either. And I think we can look at this as a neutral signal, and as any central banker should, maintain both flexibility and some ambiguity about what their future steps will be. Mm. 
and Dr. Hans-Peter, so the uh, interest rate cut, but the uh, it will, of course, lowers the cost of uh, the borrowing money. But what does it mean for the U.S. consumer? Well, the, the textbook version would be we will have more consumption and we will all also have more investment due to the cheaper money. But expectations have been higher. Have been, people have been expecting more interest rate cuts in the future. And now they have doubt that these will come. So the, the total effect of this interest rate cut is not very evident. We don't know how will people really react. It's not one-sided because it's so ambiguous what has happened. So maybe it won't have much effect on the economy. If there was a version on saying the interest rate will go further down, then it might have some effects and, and people might consume more because they expect to have even cheaper credit loans in the future and uh, the investment uh, might increase faster. But at the moment, I think it's very ambiguous. We've heard from Andy Mock at the Center for China and Globalization and Professor Hans-Peter Berghoff with the University of Hohenheim in Germany speaking with the CRI's Zhao Yang. Well, Thursday marks the 92nd anniversary of the founding of the Chinese People's Liberation Army. As CRI's Nella Budalisi reports, the PLA is playing a growing role in improving global security and stability. The medical services of the Chinese and German armed forces finished a joint exercise in Germany last month. The drill, named Combined Aid 2019, marked the first time that complete units of China's paramedical forces and their field equipment have been deployed in Europe. Thomas Silberhorn is the Parliamentary State Secretary at the German Defense Ministry. Um through long-term communication, we have built mutual trust with China's army and we are familiar with each other's emergency rescue processes, so we were able to successfully conduct the joint military exercise despite the difficult conditions. In recent years, the PLA's paramedical forces have taken part in several joint operations overseas, including helping to fight the Ebola outbreak in Sierra Leone and Liberia. The peace-trained 2018 humanitarian and medical rescue exercise in Laos and the free clinics along China's border with Vietnam in partnership with the Vietnamese army. China has held joint military exercises with more than 30 countries since 2012. These exercises have included members of the land, air and sea forces. China is one of the major contributors to the United Nations peacekeeping operations. It is the largest contributor of troops among the permanent members of the United Nations Security Council. By the end of last year, the PLA had taken part in 24 United Nations peacekeeping operations, contributing more than 39,000 soldiers. 13 of them lost their lives in the line of duty. In the past decade, in accordance with the resolutions of the United Nations Security Council, China has dispatched naval forces to the Gulf of Aden and waters off the coast of Somali to contribute to the international shipping escort missions, providing protection for more than 6,600 domestic and international ships. During these missions, China helped to rescue more than 70 ships that were in distress. Li Wei is a commander of the Ruzhou, a PLA Navy vessel that has been a part of the escort operations in the Gulf of Aden. 
After carrying out different types of missions like escort operations and also visiting other countries, we have broadened our horizons. Now we are able to communicate with people from different countries. Although our English is not that good, we share some common topics because we are all in the Navy. China has conducted military exchanges with more than 150 countries and since 2012, the defense ministers and military commanders of more than 100 countries have visited China. Tong Zhen is a researcher at the War Research Institute of the PLA Academy of Military Sciences. She said that the PLA is a firm supporter of world peace. For example, our contributions in humanitarian rescue, disaster relief, and international and regional counterterrorism not only shows that China firmly safeguards its national interests, but also actively fulfills its international responsibilities. China issued a white paper last month to expound on its defensive national defense policy in the new era. It states resolutely that safeguarding China's sovereignty, security, and development interests is the fundamental goal of China's national defense in the new era. It also says a strong military of China is a staunch force for world peace, stability, and the building of a community with a shared future for mankind. For CRI, I'm Zanele Butelezi. Want to know what's trending in China? China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China. From the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions, videos, photos, live streaming and more. Join in the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions and culture. China Plus News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China. It's 18 minutes past the hour. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has expressed concern about the rising tensions between nuclear armed states. Comes one day before the INF Treaty expires and when the United States is set to pull out from that accord. I'm concerned about rising tensions between nuclear armed states. The Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, the INF, is a landmark agreement that helps stabilize Europe and end the Cold War. When it expires tomorrow, the world will lose an invaluable break on nuclear war. And this will likely heighten, not reduce, the threat posed by ballistic missiles. Regardless of what transpires, the parties should avoid destabilizing developments and urgently seek agreement on a new common pass for international arms control. Experts say the breakdown of the treaty, the latest in a growing list of east-west tensions, is of grave concern. Guterres has also urged the United States and Russia to extend the new START agreement to provide stability and uh, the time to negotiate future arms control measures. The 2011 New START Treaty, a U.S.-Russia arms control pact which limits deployed strategic nuclear weapons, is set to expire in February of 2021. The treaty can be extended for five years if both sides agree. Guterres adds that the treaty's provisions on reciprocal inspections constitute an important confidence-building measure that benefits the entire world. 
The International Atomic Energy Agency says it aims to appoint a new director general in October to assume office by January. Romanian diplomat Cornel Feruta will head the United Nations nuclear watchdog until member states agree on a permanent successor to deceased Director General Yakuya Amano. The closing date for applications will be September the 5th. The U.S. Senate's passed a bill that'll increase the federal budget and lift the debt ceiling for the next two years. The bill passed 67 to 28 and is heading to the White House for President Donald Trump's signature. The legislation will permit the government to resume borrowing to pay all of its bills and set an overall 1.4 trillion U.S. dollar limit on agency budgets approved by Congress annually. It's expected to expand defense outlays and boost domestic spending on things such as health care for veterans. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. So, if we say we're serious about countering threats to our homeland, our allies, and our men and women deployed overseas, if we say that we're serious, then we have to actually deliver on our promise to equip our forces for the job. We have to invest in improved readiness to help our military commanders plan for emerging challenges in research and development to support the U.S. military of the future and in rock-solid support for our alliance commitments, which help preserve the peace and extend the reach of our values. Other senators also say the bill may help to remove the prospect of another government shutdown. The White House has projected a $1 trillion budget deficit for fiscal 2019, the highest since 2012. The federal budget deficit in the first nine months of the fiscal year reached nearly $750 billion. The Sudanese Transitional Military Council says a security force assigned to guard a bank in uh, El Abid is responsible for killing children protesting in the city this week. Jamal Alden Omar Ibrahim is the head of Sudan's Transitional Military Council Security Committee. The perpetrators of this incident have been identified. The force that was guarding the Sudanese French bank in the market of the city of Obaid where they fired live bullets which led to tragic losses as follows. The martyrs are five in addition to one more martyr who died today, July 31, 2019, in Khartoum, as a result of injuries. The injured are 20 who remain in the El Obeid hospital. They are people who have sustained minor injuries and were treated in hospitals before being released. All the members of the guarding force have been arrested, and there are seven and as per directives from the Rapid Deployment Forces. They have been dismissed from the forces and have been turned over to the prosecution in North Kordofan to continue their investigation and trial. He says the school children were forced out of their schools to participate in these protests under direct prompting by two teachers. The commander also says those fully responsible for putting the students in danger are being identified and legal procedures will be taken against them. According to residents, the teenagers were rallying against fuel and bread shortages. Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev has ordered police to investigate if wildfires in Siberia could have been started deliberately to conceal illegal logging activity. The country's investigative committee says it's also opened a criminal case over the fires and is probing local officials for suspected negligence over not taking action to stop them. The wildfires cover 3.1 million hectares of mostly remote, uninhabited forest. 
Firefighters are battling fires on 116,000 hectares. President Vladimir Putin's ordered the army to join the battle. Regional authorities have blamed lightning and hot weather for these fires. But some experts suggest the reason could be a combination of climate change and ineffective measures to bring forest fires under control. A Texas company is aiming to offer customers the chance to take to the skies at the controls of a small recreational plane without the need to get a pilot's license. Siraz Shia Chung reports. The company Lyft Aircraft is vying with aerospace giants Boeing and Airbus to develop electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. These aircraft typically resemble a drone with multiple spinning rotors used to produce lift. Lyft says that its aircraft is light enough to be considered an ultralight vehicle by the Federal Aviation Authority. Its 18-rotor Hexa aircraft weighs around 200 kilograms. It has floats that allow it to land on water and parachute in case of an emergency. Matt Chasen is the founder of Lyft. So with Lyft aircraft, we really envision a future where anyone can fly. And so right now, the FAA isn't certifying electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft quite yet, uh, but they are available for recreation and sport use under the FAA's ultralight classification. So we want to get started. We want people to fly. Uh, we're building a safe, reliable aircraft that meets this ultralight classification. Uh, and we're going to get started letting people uh, fly for recreation and sport. Chasen is planning to sell rides near cities around the United States later this year. Customers would spend some time in a simulator before climbing into a hexa to fly for up to 15 minutes, which is the maximum safe flight time provided by the batteries. The aircraft can fly at speeds of up to 100 kilometers per hour, the maximum allowed for ultralight aircraft under FAA rules. Colin Guin is the founder of Guin Partners and a leading voice on drone technology in the United States. Depending on the time scale that you're looking at, no, 10 to 20 years is we'll all be we'll all be using these things. You know, it'll be in our lifetimes. And, you know, I think that, you know, especially when you look at that time horizon, you're going to see a lot of these things flying around. They're going to be fully autonomous. They're going to have full awareness of where each other are. Going also said that the flights have been engineered with safety and reliability at the core. Instead of having four rotors, which would be really efficient, they have 18 rotors, which is really redundant and much safer. And so it takes a hit on kind of like long range flight endurance and things like that, but it's got a full blown ballistic parachute system that it's carrying. It can lose up to six of its rotors and still fly. It's got floats. So if it has to make an emergency landing on water, it just sits there and floats. The aircraft's control system will stop it from flying outside a proscribed area over open land or water. And the ground control can take over flying the aircraft. The FAA bans ultralight aircraft from flying over built-up areas, which means that Lyft's aircraft can only be used for sport or recreation, and not for commuter transit. For CRI, I'm Xie Chen. 26 minutes past the hour. Malaysian authorities have announced the name of the second Malaysian-born giant panda. The 19-month-old female panda cub's name was announced at a ceremony at the Giant Panda Conservation Center in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, uh, Xavier Jayakumar is the Malaysian Minister of Water, Land and Natural Resources. Today marks a historic moment as we will be naming the second female cub. The government of Malaysia has carefully selected and consulted the China Wildlife Conservation Association before finalizing on a deemed suitable name. It gives me pleasure 
to announce the name of the second female club as EE, which means friendship. EE is selected to recognize the friendship among the two nations that has grown beyond four decades. It is my firm hope that akin to the meaning of the name, the friendship between Malaysia and the People's Republic of China will be further enhanced, not limited to giant panda conservation efforts, but also diplomatically and economically. To giant panda's parents, first offspring, a female called Nguyen was born in August of 2015 and sent to China in November of last year. According to the lease agreement between Beijing and Kuala Lumpur, panda cubs born in captivity must be returned to China by the age of two. We're at 28 minutes past the hour. Beijing will see a couple of thunderstorms in the morning with a yellow alert for lightning. Later on, cloudy skies and the air quality will be unhealthy for sensitive groups. The high is 30 Celsius. Overnight temperatures around 24. Chongqing will be cloudy with a high of 36 and a low of 27. Lhasa will be mostly cloudy with a couple of morning showers, a high of 23 and a low of 12. In North America, Washington, D.C. will be mostly cloudy with a couple of showers and thunderstorms, a high of 29. In Africa, Nairobi is getting a mix of sun and cloud with showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon, a high of 24. And finally to Oceania, Port Vila's cloudy with a high of 24 Celsius. It's time for a short break on the Beijing Hour. Still to come, in business, China's central bank comments on loans for the property sector. In sports, the torch relay for the seventh military world games. In entertainment, a new military TV channel in China. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour brings you an hour of comprehensive news and information from both China, China, and the rest of the world. Rest of the world. A mix of news, sports, and entertainment. In-depth analysis of the day's big stories, as well as the most comprehensive business of the day. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. Your very own window to China and the rest of the world. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Begum with you on this Friday morning. Still to come in business, the highest grossing animated film in Chinese history, now in theaters, is influencing the movie sector in the country. In sports, the FIFA Women's World Cup is expanding to 32 teams in time for the 2023 tournament. In entertainment, a veteran Hong Kong actor is making his directorial debut with the film Midnight Diner. A number of ways to contact us here. You can send us an email, beijinghour at cri.com.cn. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for China Plus News. Download the China Plus app. Visit chinaplus.cri.cn for the latest news and information from China Radio International. Now checking the day's headline news. Chinese authorities have reiterated that the trade talks with the United States must be conducted on the basis of equality and mutual respect. The Commerce Ministry calls on the U.S. to make positive efforts, show sincerity and goodwill, and create a good atmosphere for the consultations. It says the two sides have far more uh, in common in terms of interest than disputes in the economic and trade fields, suggesting Washington properly resolve China's core concerns. The ministry also urges the U.S. to implement its commitments regarding Huawei as soon as possible. The two sides held the latest round of trade talks on Tuesday and Wednesday in Shanghai and agreed to hold the next round next month in the United States. 
A senior Chinese official has urged the U.S. and some other Western countries to stop meddling in Hong Kong affairs in any form. Young Jachir criticizes those countries for supporting violent protesters with the aim of undermining the prosperity and security of Hong Kong. The director of the Office of the Party's Foreign Affairs Commission demands they honor their hands-off promises on Hong Kong affairs. U.S. media has reported that North Korea's launched projectiles for the third time in just over a week. The report suggests that the launch on early Friday was very similar to the previous two. U.S. officials have denied the projectiles pose any threat to the U.S. or any of its allies in the region. They suggest it's another warning by Pyongyang against a joint U.S.-South Korea military exercise that's scheduled for later this month. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres has expressed concern about the rising tensions between nuclear armed states comes a day after or rather a day before the INF treaty expires when the United States is set to pull from that accord. Experts say the breakdown of the treaty, the latest in a growing list of east-west tensions, is of grave concern. Guterres has also urged the United States and Russia to extend the new START agreement to provide stability and the time to negotiate future arms control measures. The 2011 New START Treaty, a U.S.-Russia arms control pact which limits deployed strategic nuclear weapons is set to expire in February of 2021. The treaty can be extended for five years if both sides agree. 33 past the hour, turning to business news now. We'll start with the closing numbers in North America and Europe. U.S. stocks fell sharply on Thursday. Uh, the shares of Caterpillar and Deer, two bellwethers of global trade, dropped more than 2.6%. Boeing ended the day down 2%. FedEx's shares also fell 4.2%. Retail stocks like Nike dropped 3.4%. UT Holdings dropped 7%. And PVH slid 6.9%. Yesterday marked the first trading day of August, a month that's not been kind to Wall Street. According to the Stock Traders Almanac, since 1950, August has been the second worst month for the S&P 500. Over that time, the S&P 500 has averaged a loss of 0.1% in August. At the closing bell, the Dow dropped 1.1%. The S&P 500 fell 9 tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq slid 8 tenths of a percent. European shares ended higher on Thursday due to strong earnings from British American Tobacco and a multi-billion dollar merger in the financial sector. Shares of British American Tobacco jumped 7% after it beat first half sales forecasts and predicted a stronger second half. London Stock Exchange Group rose 6.5% to, re- uh, rec- to, to a record high after it formally announced its $27 US billion dollar merger with financial information firm Refinitiv. At the closing bell, the UK's FTSE 100 was slightly higher than flat. France's CAC 40 rose 7 tenths of a percent. Germany's DAX gained half a percent. China's central bank is calling on all kinds of banks in the country to keep their loans to the property sector at a reasonable level. According to a statement, banks should adhere to the principle of houses are for living in, not for speculation, and adjust and optimize their credit structures to maintain the sound development of the real estate market. China will strictly prohibit consumption loans from being irregularly used for buying houses and strengthen the management of capital flowing to the property sector from banks. The country will also strengthen supervision over fundraising activities of large property developers with high leverage and control the the scale of interest-bearing liabilities and the asset-liability ratios of such companies. 
Animated film Nezha has become the highest grossing Chinese animated feature of all time, beating previous record holder Monkey King Hero is Back, which grossed 138 million US dollars in 2015. As of yesterday, the new film had grossed 192 million dollars and is well on its way to beating Zootopia's 220 million dollar record to become the biggest ever animated film from any country. Released last Friday, Nezha took 91.5 million dollars for its first 3 days, breaking the opening weekend record for an animated uh, feature of $65 million set by Despicable Me 3 in 2017. With more on this, we're joined by Doug Young, the company news chief with the English edition of Saishin. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, So the film appears to be tapping into the young adult audience that drives the box office on mainland. Uh, Data shows that more than 50% of the film's audience is between 20 and 29 years old. So uh, what does the trend reveal about the Chinese film industry? Well, it, it shows that uh, Chinese animation is, is definitely coming along. Uh, you know, Chinese films in general have always been sort of considered sort of second-class citizens to these big Hollywood uh, blockbusters that get imported to China. But, you know, we're really seeing uh, more Chinese movies, uh, you know, that's what, of course what China wants or what Beijing wants uh, to, to develop the local film industry. And I, I think what you're saying is true. Also about this, this film appears to appeal particularly to, you know, this this sort of 20-something, uh, whatever you want to call them, gen, what do you call them, uh, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, lot of, a lot of my colleagues at, at uh, Taishin who are, you know, in their 20s have gone to see this already. It, it sort of surprises me, uh, but clearly, clearly they're doing something, right, because everyone seems to be buzzing about this movie. I, I may have to go see it myself. Well, the uh, success of Naja appears to be a boost for uh, investor confidence in the domestic animation industry. So how do you see the future of this sector from an uh, investment perspective? Well, the, the Chinese movie industry in general is undergoing some, some big adjustments right now. Uh, animation in particular, I remember there was a, a big uh, joint venture with DreamWorks Animation, which is one of the big U.S. animation companies uh, that... DreamWorks pulled out of a couple of years ago, um, so that didn't didn't send a huge signal or a great signal for the animation industry. But you know, the, the technology's out there, and China certainly got the talent and, and it's trying to develop things. And what's interesting about this one too is it's, it's very Chinese. Uh, it's based on a Chinese Chinese legend or something like that. Again, I'm not not that familiar with it. I haven't seen it yet, but. Um, you know they they they're good at, at developing I guess material. You you mentioned the Monkey King being another big animated hit. They're, they're good at developing uh, animation material for the domestic market. Uh, I don't know how well these things would really travel outside of China though. Well, uh, how is China doing in general in terms of trying to catch up with the U.S. in making high quality movies? Well, this is what we were just saying. Uh, they they seem to be getting better at it. Um, but again, you know, you look at uh, the other one that I, I did see, uh, it was called Monster Hunt. Um, I don't know if you saw that one, but it's uh, another animated one that was, uh, again, a blockbuster sort of film. It, it did have a bit of foreign participation in it. Um, but again, it was a very Chinese sort of monsters slash people. It was, it was like something very Chinese. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, I think they're catching up, but they're, they're still heavily dependent on, on sort of 
Chinese themes that maybe won't travel as well outside of China. But that's probably a, a bigger theme for the Chinese film industry in general. I don't think we've really seen any movies that, that have really done that well outside of China yet. So, uh, you know, they're getting really good at, at, at playing to their home audience. You know, like I think the next step for them would probably be to see if they can go beyond that and, and really challenge Hollywood on the, on the global stage. Thank you very much for that, Doug. That's Doug Young, the company news chief with the English edition of Saishin, and we're at 40 minutes past the hour. U.S. tech giant Apple reported its net income fell 13% to $10 billion U.S. billion in the third quarter of the year compared with the uh, year-ago quarter. The company's net income went down from $9.6 to $9.2 billion in China. Apple's sales for the iPhone dropped 12% from last year's June quarter. However, the company generated $5.5 billion in sales uh, sales from wearables, home products, and accessories. That's a year-on-year increase of 48%. Shanghai International Gold Exchange has set up a new certified vault in Shenzhen, where nearly 70% of China's gold products are designed and processed. The city plays an important role in the gold industry in Asia and the world. Officials say the move is expected to diversify the sources of gold imports, improve the supply efficiency of gold, and fulfill the function of serving the real economy. Founded in 2014, the SGEI is registered in the Shanghai Pilot Free Trade Zone and enables foreign institutions and individuals to access the Chinese precious metals market. For breaking news and the stories that matter to you, check out our Twitter page and follow us by searching China Plus News. We focus on the Middle Kingdom. Time for sports. Here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. The flame for the 2019 Military World Games has been lit in Nanchang, which is reputed as the cradle of the People's Liberation Army. The torch rally commenced as Olympic diving champion Peng Bo carried the first torch. Peng, also a Nanchang native, participated in the Military World Games in 1999. I'm very much honored to be the first torchbearer for the 7th Military World Games. We are sending to the world the signals of peace and friendship, as well as the spirit of Chinese military athletes. Twenty torchbearers paraded in the fire in Nanchang, many of them having served in the army and winning military honors. The last torchbearer was CBA head coach Wang Jiju with Ba Yi. In the next two months, over 2,000 torchbearers will carry the torch in 27 cities and 16 military sports across China. The 7th Military World Games will be held in Wuhan from October 18th to the 27th. FIFA has announced expansion of the number of teams at the next edition of the Women's World Cup in 2023, increasing from 24 to 32. The FIFA Council made the decision early instead of during its next meeting in Shanghai, scheduled for October. The bidding process for the 2023 tournament is already underway. So far, nine countries, including Argentina, Brazil, Japan and South Africa, have submitted interest. Also, there is a joint bid from North and South Korea. The official announcement for the host country will be made in March next year. The Chinese Super League is back in action tonight. Third place, the Beijing Guan will host the Hebei China Fortune. Guan was at top of the league two weeks ago, but uh, suffered two straight losses and dropped to third place on table. Team captain Yu Dabao says they will strive for a win to bounce back from recent setbacks. We hope that 
I hope I can see many fans coming to the stadium to support us. Yes, we have a new head coach now, and we actually have achieved a pretty good result this season. Our players hope to use a win tomorrow to thank the contribution of our former head coach, Mr. Schmidt. Guan's new head coach, Bruno Genesi, is still waiting for official clearance from the CSL to take charge. It means assistant coach Fu Bing may be in charge at the Worker Stadium tonight. Elsewhere, Chongqing Sways against the Dalian Yifan Wu Hanzhou plays away to Shanghai Xinhua, and Beijing Renhe takes on Shenzhen Jiajiaoye at home. Shenzhen's new head coach, Roberto Donadoni, will make his club debut. Atletico Madrid obtained a 3-0 preseason victory over the Major League Soccer All-Star team in Orlando. The MLS team featured LA Galaxy forward Zlatan Ibrahimovic, DC United's Wayne Rooney and the league's top scorer Carlos Vela. Atletico's new signing Raul Felix came off the bench and scored a stunning long-range goal. It was the 18th edition of the annual MLS All-Star Game, which pits a team made up of Major League Soccer players against the visiting international club site. In the past two years, Italian powerhouse Juventus and Spain's Real Madrid attended exhibition games in the U.S. Premier League club Arsenal has broken its transfer record to sign Cote d'Ivoire winger Nicolas Pepe from Lille. The deal cost the London club $89 million. The 24-year-old has signed a five-year contract as Arsenal tries to return to the Champions League this coming season with their new attacking option. Being here is very emotional because it has not been easy for me. I have come a long way and struggled a lot and so signing for this great club is a big reward. Pepe scored 35 goals in two seasons for Lille. He helped the club finish second in League One last season, 16 points behind the champions Paris Saint-Germain. The Chinese national basketball team has announced that small forward Ding Yan Yuhan will rehabilitate his knee in the U.S. It means Dean, the best swimman on the national team, is in doubt to attend the FIBA World Cup, which starts this month in China. Ding has long suffered from a knee injury and it worsened when he played in the NBA Summer League with Team China last month in Las Vegas. The 26-year-old was with NBA's Dallas Mavericks last year but was waived in the middle of the season. Former Los Angeles Lakers swingman Lance Stevenson is taking his talents to China. After going unsigned during the first wave of the NBA free agency, Stevenson agreed to a one-year, $4 million deal with Liao Ning of the CBA. He averaged uh, 7.2 points and 3.2 rebounds per game for the Lakers last season. The 28-year-old previously played some of the best basketball of his career for the Pacers. Indiana selected him in the second round of the 2010 NBA draft, and he helped lead the Pacers to -to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals in 2013 and 2014. American swimmer Ryan Lochte has come back to the pool after a two-year ban. He competed uh, competed in the 200-meter individual medley at the U.S. National Championships and Stanford University. In 2016, Lochte was involved in a fake police report and ended up with a 10-month suspension. Then he was sidelined for 14 more months owing to an infusion of vitamin B12 above the allowed limit last year. Lochte is a record holder for multiple events and the second most decorated swimmer in Olympic history. He has taken part in several events this week, including the 100-meter butterfly and 100- and 200-meter backstroke. 
the 35-year-old now aims to attend his fifth Olympic Games in Tokyo next year. In Formula One, the race goes to Hungary this weekend. Lewis Hamilton aims to return to his winning race after a German Grand Prix setback last week. He finished 11th in that race, where Red Bull's Max Verstappen crossed the line first, followed by Ferrari driver Sebastian Vettel. Tarasso's Daniel Kvyat also made his first podium finish this season. The Russian driver says he was even happier as the race was followed with the birth of his daughter. It was quite special, 24 or 48 hours, the way you want to look at it. Yeah, obviously I found out on Saturday night uh, that I uh, uh, became a father, that uh, our daughter is born and uh, is doing great. So it was a great feeling, but uh, then obviously the next day there was a race to do. It was important to stay focused on, on it and uh, happy few days after. And uh, now we're here. The first two practice races of the Hungarian Grand Prix will be underway this afternoon Beijing time. Hungary will be the last race before F1's four-week summer break. In Major League Baseball, there are some scores from early this morning. Shane, what can you tell us? Well, day got underway with the Florida Marlins taking a 5-4 home win over the Minnesota Twins. While the Phillies clubbed the Giants by a score of 10-2, the Mets blanked the Chicago White Sox for nothing. And uh, more recently, the Oakland Athletics have taken a 5-3 victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, five more games underway now in the early innings. The Blue Jays are visiting the Orioles. The Rays are at the Red Sox. The Astros are visiting the Indians. The Cubs at the Cardinals. The Reds are taking on the Braves. The one late game is coming up after 10 o'clock this morning. The San Diego Padres are in Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers. We focus on the Middle Kingdom. The China Plus News Twitter page brings you breaking news and the stories that matter to you. Follow us on Twitter by searching for China Plus News. In entertainment and culture, the National Defense and Military Channel of China Media Group, one of China's major broadcasters, started broadcasting on Thursday on the 92nd anniversary of the founding of the People's Liberation Army. The new channel will broadcast 26 programs from 6 to midnight every day, including news, documentaries, variety shows, and sitcoms. The channel carries on the title of CCTV7, which used to air programs about uh, both the military and agriculture. Programs on Farmers, Agriculture and Rural Affairs have been moved to a new channel, CCTV 17, which also started a trial run on Thursday. With a brand new logo and image, the new CCTV 7 will exclusively broadcast three military news programs and a new program covering life in the barracks. A Chinese film based on a real fire accident has recently hit IMAX theaters nationwide in China. Screening event for The Bravest, or Liehua Ying Xiong in Chinese, took place on Thursday evening. According to the film's official Weibo account, the film is the first in Chinese movie history where firefighters as a group have been put in the spotlight. Starring Huang Xiaoming and Du Zheng, The Bravest has received a user rating of 9.6 out of 10 on Mao Yan, a Chinese film database and ticketing platform. It also reports the box office of The Bravest is now ranked second overall after Nezhe by gaining over 191 million yuan, amounting to around 28 million U.S. dollars since his debut yesterday. Veteran Hong Kong actor Tony Leung's directorial debut, Midnight Diner, or Shen Ye Shutong in Chinese, will be released on uh, or in Chinese cinemas August 30th. 
The film, which is based on Yaro Abe's manga of the same name, follows the stories of a number of patrons who visit a late-night diner, which opens from midnight till dawn. Tony Leung is also starring in the movie. He co- uh, his co-stars include Leo Tao, Tony Young, and Eddie Pung. Jurors are deciding how much Katy Perry, her collaborators, and her record label owe the writers of a Christian rap song over her hit, Dark Horse. The jury has already found that Dark Horse improperly copied from Marcus Gray's song, Joyful Noise. They're now deliberating over the amount to be paid. In closing arguments Thursday, lawyers for Gray and his two co-writers told the jury they should get nearly $20 million for the song. That's earned around $41 million in total. Uh, they say Gray's instrumental beat plays through 45% of Dark Horse, so they're asking for 45% of the earnings. Lawyers for Perry and her co-defendants argued that about $360,000 is proper. Both sides have agreed that Perry herself made a profit of $2.4 million. That's the maximum she may have to pay personally. In the new Batman origin story series, Pennyworth, actor Jack Bannon channels at least two iconic characters by actor Michael Caine, Batman's trusty butler Alfred from Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, as well as Caine's breakthrough title role in the 1966 dramedy Alfie. Picking up in the early 60s, Pennyworth follows Alfred Pennyworth, a former British SAS soldier who forms a security company and goes to work with Thomas Wayne, the father of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. So Kane, he was the one who said, I'll play a butler as long as he's ex-SAS. So we have to give him a nod for that. And what I tried to do was have shades of the voice because he, this version is sort of from where he's from. And it's at a time when when Michael Kane was, you know, the 60s, he was sort of he was sort of our, our movie star at that time. So I watched a lot of films of him anyway, because it's not so much a, a prequel to his Alfred. It's a standalone thing. Pennyworth has just begun its first season run on the Epics Network. I Love Lucy, a colorized celebration, screens in U.S. movie theaters on August 6th for one night only on what would have been actress Lucille Ball's 109th birthday. Fine, you're doing splendidly. The event will uh, provide fans with a rare chance to gather and laugh together while enjoying the five full-length and uncut versions of Ball's beloved sitcom. The presentation will include a documentary on how each of the episode's 37,000 frames were painstakingly colorized by artists and technicians in the United States and India with costumes, sets, props, and vintage material used for reference wherever possible. Additionally, 16 newly colorized I Love Lucy episodes will be released on DVD on August 13th. 13th. Construction on a museum dedicated to bamboo slips is started in the city of Lanzhou, Gansu Province. Covering an area of 38,000 square meters, the museum will have exhibition halls, digital display rooms, storage rooms, and restoration rooms. Expected to open to the public in 2021, the museum will help to store, protect, restore, and study bamboo slips used for writing, uh, writing prior to the widespread introduction of paper, as well as display over 40,000 bamboo slips and more than 10,000 
cultural relics. We're at 56 past the hour. Beijing will see a couple of thunderstorms in the morning today. A yellow alert for lightning's being issued. Later, cloudy skies and the air quality will be un- unhealthy for sensitive groups. The high is around 30. Overnight temperatures dropping to 24. Chongqing will be cloudy in 36, a low of 27. Lhasa will be mostly cloudy with a couple of morning showers and a high of 23, a low of 12. That's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news this morning, Chinese authorities reiterate their call for equality and mutual respect in their ongoing trade talks with the United States. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour. Open a window to the world together.